KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. All right, we rolling on my end. You catch me rolling. in trying to catch me riding dirty. Welcome inside the outdoor hour, and we are going to leave that in this week. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the energy. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. That's how we do it in the outdoor hour, man. We do, man. We do. Like a helicopter. I was thinking more like Petey Pop style. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if I have enough room in the studio <laughs> yeah. to take it off and wave yeah. it like a helicopter. Yeah. But we can always try. We can. Fish. We can. That's for sure. What's up, guys? What's going on? How are you gentlemen this week? I'm really good. Yeah, I'm solid. I'm uh, enjoying fall-ish weather. Um, I still wouldn't call it fall weather because it's still way too hot. Yeah, but we got some breeze this week, a little bit of rain the last couple of weeks. It's yeah. nice to kind of feel good. like you're not just getting scorched. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to feel like I'm not, um, you know, in the seventh circle. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty humid, though, like once the rain passes I'm through. I'm good with that. Ooh, Give me I'm that not. humidity. I'm not. With, I got all this hair, man. Well, Bad news. Bad news for me. Can't relate. Yeah. You cannot, cannot relate. You cannot. You can't hardly either. No. Unless you feel it blowing through those whiskers on your upper lip. The flavor saver, you know? <laughs> <Okay>. Yep. <laughs> Does its job. Maybe we shouldn't leave any of this in. This is the Outdoor Hour. I'm Taylor Maples. Joshua Wildman Stratton. Here in the flesh. And goldfish, Matt Goldbranson. Yes! <laughs> yes! I, I was waiting. I, I did my homework assignment this oh, week. Oh, man, talk about an upgrade, right? Yeah. Oh, I am so DJ Jazzy Jeff right now. This yeah. is awesome. I got I'll, another one for you, but I'll, I'll drop <laughs> it in the show. I'll, I'll, I'll drop it in, in the show and yeah, just yeah. just get your natural reaction to it. Oh. When, it's, when it's needed, which he will give you plenty of opportunities yes. for that. I already know what this is going to be, at least in reference to, but we'll get to that organically, okay? Maybe you do, maybe you maybe don't. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Yeah. Man. The outdoor hour just kicked up a notch. We did. Production value increased. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Had a pep okay. talk with the sales team. Yeah, you Production did. Production staff's ki- killing it. He was just walking around lobbying for the outdoor hour. If anybody wants to sell the outdoor hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Seriously, though, if you want to sponsor the outdoor, <laughs> yeah. please reach out to Taylor Maples. Taylor.m at TylerMedia.com. We would love to have your support. And, I mean, I think we do at least a decent job. Um, I, most I've, of the time. Most of the time. I've really enjoyed getting to know and work with some of these brands that we endorse. Um, and we don't do this, you know, for money in that way, right? No, um, no, we do not. <laughs> But we really get to meet and we get to work with some products that are really legit. Um, and it's fun for me now, almost two years into this thing, to to see how those companies have grown and progressed and the, the impact, the, the small, but the impact that we have gotten to have and um, how much they appreciate what we do. So that's pretty neat. If you have a, a uh, company that you think might be a good fit, we'd love to, to get you in here as well. So, man. I got some stuff I'm excited to talk about this week. We haven't uh, had a whole lot of a chance, Josh, to regroup after my fishing trip. I don't even know what you've been up to. You're always doing cool stuff. Um, It is cooler. It is nice. I feel like I kind of got my last hurrah for the summer this weekend on the White River. It was warm. Um, The water was cold, which you kind of expect there, obviously. Uh, You guys had jackets on, bro. Well, okay, so we fished at night. Right. So it was chilly. Temperatures are like mid 50s. Yeah. Um, that's so what I'm a saying. light you just jacket. just said it was warm during the day. Ah. I didn't exclusively fish at night. We went there oh, to fish. Oh, you fished at during night. the day too? I waited a little bit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I yeah. would have been sleeping. You know, I tried. Um, we tried to watch a little college football, tried to just kind of hang out, and I was like, dude, I'm on the White River. Like, right. I can what watch college doing? football at home or in the boat. <laughs> Really in the boat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, man, it was a great time. We saw a ton of fish. We caught got a handful a of fish. Yeah, that's uh, is that your PR? That's gotta be definitely for a brown. Yeah. Um. Yep, it, definitely for a trout. I think so. It was a twenty-seven inch brown. Um, I've caught the twenty-four to twenty-fives before, like rainbows. Um, Definitely 27 is my my PR for a brown. Love it. Um, I've never fished at night. Unbelievable experience. Um, love to share some of that. Tell a little bit more of the specifics. Have you done that before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing to me, even being there um, near Bull Shoals and that area, that stretch, um, how many people that fish like we pull up you know there's a place there called the 178 club Mm -hmm. um and we pull in there and we're hanging out having some you know chicken tenders before we go out for our night and we're talking to people and everybody that's there is pulling up these massive pictures of browns on their phone like oh yeah let me show you this hog that i caught last january or something um but like nobody we talk to night fishes the guides are like when we fish for ourselves it's at night well, when I told you before you left, like, you know, the White is one of those rivers where I'm not convinced there's that big of a benefit to catch a big brown trout. Like, the monster monsters seem to be more of them are caught at night. But you don't need to go through the effort. No. You can still catch really big trout two, during two the plus, day. Yeah, two foot plus brown trout during the day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we had an unbelievable experience. Um, Being in a drift boat is one of my favorite things to do ever, but to do that under a canopy of stars, 
um, at night as the only boat out there, almost like vertigo inducing at times where you're not really, because that river is slow moving, especially when, you know, the water level is, is running low. Um, there are times when you're almost like, which direction am I facing? Where is up? Where is downstream? Like, it's it's a surreal it, experience. It's, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. Dark. You make that first corner away from the dam and those lights disappear. You get up towards kind of there's that campground there. And it's like, dude, it is dark. But it's freaking cool, man. Yeah, it's it's it's. Like I said uh, last well, last time we were talking about it, I, th- I think it's an experience that everyone should try to have. Throwing massive patterns. Uh, I did not realize how hard it was going to be to catch these things on the mouse patterns because yeah. that's like what people talk about is you're going mousing. Um, I think we caught one on a mouse, and we can get into that because they treat the mice patterns differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we caught a majority of them on a pattern called the Drunken Disorderly. Yep. And that was a perfect name, theme for the trip, absolutely. Um, we had a great time. Uh, but, dude, these patterns are, like, the size of your hand. And, I like, I'm not big at hucking streamers. Like, I, I don't have as much experience doing that stuff. A majority of my fly fishing experience is, like, a dry dropper, right? Right. I mean, um, the, five- to seven-inch sculpin is not abnormal in the white river so you you yep. got to be throwing pretty darn big flies if you're trying to imitate the sculpin that the brown trout are eating which is why the brown trout are as big as they are in that river because there's such a high population of sculpin yeah uh this was the first time i've used an eight weight rod okay. um so heavier equipment that i'm used to uh like i got out of bed the first morning after fishing and I was sore. Oh, my God. And I know you're rolling your eyes at oh me, but God. people had told me that. I mean, it's a different ball game hucking that eight weight. Uh, but you're standing there in the dark. You have really no concept of whether you're throwing it 12 feet or 1,200 feet off the boat. Um, how much line I've got out. But I know that I'm working this line, and you just hear the whoosh, whoosh. As that drunken disorderly pattern comes yeah. flailing by, uh, not in any sort of organized rhythm in my case, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a, a learning curve. It was yeah. an experience. Um, you don't realize, I think a lot of people wouldn't realize, I didn't realize how much you rely on your eyeballs when you're fly fishing. Most people do, yeah. Um, and, For sure. And when you're suddenly relying on, you know, the feel of the line in your hands and the sound of tail flicks to know whether that is uh, an eat or a body roll or, you know, your bait's just being, you know, kind of screwed with underneath the surface. Are they feeling it out or are they eating it? Um, when you're not using your eyes to make that decision, you can miss a lot of really good fish. Yeah. And... That's the purpose, right? Like, that's the point of of the night fishing is you're going to go have a chance to maybe catch one monster. Um, You're not going to go catch a dozen fish at night in those circumstances. Yeah, not without utilizing some other techniques, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Let me rephrase that. I'm not going to go catch a dozen fish at night. Yeah. Um, I caught two fish on the trip, back-to-back casts, which was actually pretty wild, um, I had a hand, they were both on that drunken disorderly mm-hmm. pattern. 
Um, had a couple of opportunities on the mouse. Um, and again, in the dark, like, I don't know if these were eats and I did something wrong with my set. Um, I don't know if these were just fish coming up and body checking it. Um, but holy cow, man, what an experience. Yeah, unbelievable. So you are obviously a, uh, a guide. You have I spent was. years I'm not a guide anymore, this. but yes. You're a one-time guide. You know uh-huh. more about this. You, you've forgotten more about this kind of stuff than I will probably ever know. Um, uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, there's plenty of things like, man, I haven't been a trout guide in a really, really, really long time, you know? And so th- there are plenty of advancements and techniques that are being utilized today that, you know, or are more mainstream today that I- I'm not super proficient at and, and I wouldn't claim to be either. But, but there um, are there's some serious differences, and maybe it's just brown trout. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the style of fishing that we were doing. Um, but there were some serious differences in terms of, like, how we're setting hooks that was new for me. And there was some technique stuff that I had a little bit of a learning curve on. Yeah. And um, So we can get into a little bit more of that ahead in the show. Um, I can tell a little bit more about kind of the experience. Uh, your name came up a handful of times with random people on the White River. That's crazy. Between you and Dan Orr, it's like, oh, yeah, you guys know those guys? Okay, yeah, cool. That's wild. Let's sit down and have a beer, you know? <laughs> like people, uh, they, they were having sympathy beers with you because you were friends with us? Basically. Yeah, that's what happened yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Super rad, though. I um, love that. We can tell some fly shop stories. There's nothing like a good fly shop. Um, there are some good fly shops out there. Um, but man, there are some good fly shop critters. And by critters, I mean the people hanging out in the that fly shop. That is exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk about that a little bit. Um, before we hit the break, though, first off, thank you. Josh, thank you to Steve, thank you to Dan and Tom and everybody at J.D. Adams and Company. Like, you guys hooked me up for this trip. Yeah, that's um, outstanding. For not really knowing what I was getting myself into, I was extremely prepared, not only in a little bit of insight and the technique, a little bit of the tackle and gear that we were going to be mm-hmm. using. Um, but, man, just if you are, if you have a trip planned, if you want to plan a trip, if you don't know anything about fly fishing, wherever you are in this process, go check out J.D. Adams and Company. Yeah, and come Saturday night to Cross Timber Brewery and check out the Fly Fishing Film Tour uh, this Saturday, the 23rd, 6.15. Movie will start at like 7.15. You can win some sweet stuff and uh, hang out with a bunch of goofballs who love fly fishing and probably learn a thing or two. Those are the best kinds of goofballs. They're high on the list. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know about the uh, Fly Fishing Film Tour? Is that something you... Uh... Well, not this one. I didn't work for this one. No, I just mean in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got any experience yeah. in the film just, tour world? Just a little. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Um, not that many. Um, I went to the first one in like 2006 in Tampa, Florida. Well, one of the first ones was 2006 or 2007. And then I went to work for the film tour in 2010 and then when I moved back here, um, I stopped working for them. But, um, yeah, it, it was a handful of years there where I got to, you know, sp- literally live on the road from January to February. I mean, January to April. 
and uh, do about 22,000 miles with three other dirtbag fly fishermen and uh, put on some really fun shows and, and fish all across the country. And, you know, over that time period, there there's not a river in this country that has a story that I haven't had the opportunity to fish, which is pretty amazing. Um, and saw hundreds of fly shops and uh, probably, you know, when I, when I left to go on that film tour, I expected to find like my Mecca, you know, um, you know, and I, I would go back to the same cities and, uh, and learn more about them and more about them. And I always expected that I would find one that like, oh, this is where I'm going to settle down. And, uh, that never happened, but I had a darn good time and, and met some absolutely amazing human beings. And, you know, back then the film tour, um, it was a different beast. It, um, YouTube wasn't what it is today. Social media wasn't it, wasn't what it is today. And so, you know, this really was one of the only places you could go and see this footage of places from around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, this probably seems absurd to people today, but you know, we had 3,500 person shows. Mm -hmm. We would sell out 3000 person venues. Um, you know, when we came to a new town, a first year show, you know, we, we still averaged a couple hundred people, you know, usually 200, 250 people. Um, that's not what it is today. Uh, the stories are still as amazing and, and the filmmakers are, are better than they were back then. But uh, it's a different world than it is today. But back then, man, it, it was wild. I mean, it was it was kind of like the thing in the fly fishing industry. It, w it was the cool thing, um, and so it was it was pretty amazing to be a part of and to travel around and and uh, have those experiences and meet the people that I got to meet. And um, yeah, I couldn't do it again. <laughs> Sure. That that shouldn't what, do it again. No, that's for the children, <laughs> man. It's for the kids. Yeah. But uh it was unbelievable. And you know, IF four, which is uh, not the organization that I worked for or the show we're putting on this Saturday, um, they're based out of Canada and have been around for a long time and man, the 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 list of films they have this year, it's truly amazing. Um there's some collaboration pieces uh from a couple of, of really well known fly fishing documentary filmmakers who partnered together for the first time to produce some stuff that uh really excited for everyone to see and uh, they really upped their game if4 um over the years and uh and so stoked that that we're partners with them orvis has has really stood up uh and stood you know stood behind them and in, in growing that film and improving uh the caliber of filmmaker that are participating and um, it's really apparent, uh, particularly in this year's film that, uh, Orvis has, has put their money where their mouth is, um, and supported them and helped them grow. And so really excited to see, um, everybody and, and for everyone to see the films. It wasn't too many years ago that you heard stories of people traveling the world and fishing these exotic places or doing these incredible things. And maybe you had a catalog or a magazine that you subscribed to that you could get some still images of these things. But yeah, not that many years ago, this was the only means of really getting to experience that for a majority of people. Yeah, I mean, you had Walker's K Chronicles, or obviously with old Flip Palette. Um, I think that was an entry point for a lot of people. Um, you had, 
the Spanish fly with Jose Wahebi. But in non-conventional tackle, Jose's show and Flip's show were really the only ones that were a regular deliverer of content to the average human being uh, to, to get a glimpse into what was out there. I remember as a young kid, and I remember my parents talking about this even, you know, like the Warren Miller film tour for skiing and snowboarding. And, like, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Even growing up in Colorado, like, they'd come to town one time a year, and yep. you didn't miss it. Well, um, and that's how, the, that's how the Fly Fishing Film Tour was, right? So the guys who founded the film tour, were they got bought out by two individuals who worked for Warren Miller and ran their ski tour. Gotcha. And they left Warren Miller and bought fly fishing film tour cool um and so it was very similar in concept and and in how it was managed and how we selected markets and and all of those things they took all of the knowledge they had from warren miller that's great um warren then bought the film tour back they bought the fly fishing film tour a couple of years ago and then uh pocket media during covid purchased the fly fishing film tour from warren miller and then Last year, a group out of Australia bought the rights of the Fly Fishing Film Tour from Pocket Media, which is now called Outside. Hmm. So it's had a, a few transitions, but yeah, its birthplace came from the success of Warren Miller. Um, now, the early days were not that. Um, you know, I, I feel incredibly blessed that I was able to attend a very early on show with the guys who, who founded uh, the film tour and to see it in its infancy and um it was different then it, it, it was it wasn't this commercialized thing it was like mm -hmm. almost like a secret society if you will you know yeah. um that's cool but but it was it was really cool and and i appreciate where it's gone and what it's become and um it'll be interesting to see how it lives on in in a space and in a world where really high grade contents at your fingertips now. But um, if you come, I think there's something there. There's still something. And for me particular, there's something about sitting in a room and watching and experiencing something with another group of people who are passionate about the same thing. Yeah. And, we and, experienced that at the uh, full draw film tour, the bow hunting thing we went yeah. to together of you're sitting in this theater or wherever you are. And like, somebody's putting a good stock on an animal and like, you know, you, it's like you're watching an action movie. People are hooting and hollering in the crowd for this kind of stuff. And yeah, which, it's a rad experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and that's the downside to the commercialization of it. Like, you know, where, where I've seen it really work is that the film tour is just a part of a, a larger thing going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when we ran the film tour, we had pre-parties, at the local fly shops in that town and we would go and we would hang out for a while and man like you know and in some towns we had multiple fly shops and each fly shop would put on their thing sure you know sure um and then they'd all come meet up and then we'd roll out and we'd all go hang out afterwards and you know one of the reasons we love doing this thing at cross uh cross timber brewery is because there is that community aspect, right? Mm -hmm. um, where we You're not can all... showing up to a theater watching the film and then leaving. No, man. Mm -hmm. you, you hang out. We we, we um, have real fellowship together and talk about the films afterwards. And you know, it's you be there as long as you want. You know, show up as early as you want. 
Um, and that's one of my favorite things about just the fly fishing world in general. And that's what I found at JD Adams and company is you can roll in, you can hang out, whether you're there to buy something or not, um, whether you need anything or you're just killing some time. And, and it's a community to dive into just some kooky people really. Um, but some of the best people that you can meet and just hang out and have that fraternity and talk about something uh, that you're all interested in. So J.D. Adams and Company is in the northwest corner of 122nd and North May Avenue here in Oklahoma City. If you are in the market for some new fly fishing gear, you're looking for a, a trip, a guide. I know you guys have a lot of trips going out all the time. Um, you're interested in a basic, you know, uh, setup class. You guys do all kinds of rigging for beginners things and um, J.D. Adams is always a great place to be, so go check those guys out. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour. We're going to squeeze in a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more uh, from my weekend on the white, what I learned about brown trout, maybe help you guys cut the learning curve if this is something you're interested in doing, uh, and we'll have some more critter stories as well. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. <laughs> Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman Stratton. Mm, Just here, living it. And Goldfish. And Goldfish. It didn't work the first time. <laughs> Disappointing. We're batting 500 on the night. That's okay. That's okay. Listen, that's MVP status. That is MVP status. And you are MVP status for that, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, uh, I didn't have to do too heavy lifting, but... Yeah, that's it, good. It, it's the time thing, you know what I mean? Like, it just takes time to put in the computer. But other than that, I enjoy doing that stuff. It's fun. It's just, you know, the cost of being excellent. Yes, for sure. Heavy lies the crown. Absolutely. Appreciate that. So, Josh, your name came up a few times this week on the White River in north central Arkansas. Um, Sketchy. Generally speaking, when people say, oh, yeah, I know Josh, I kind of want to take another step away from this person. Wow. um, And reevaluate a few things about the company I'm keeping. Wow. Um, no, so we went out with this guide on the white. His name is Dustin Doss, D-O-S-S, and I would highly recommend him to anybody uh, that wants to go to the White River near Bull Shoals, whether you're going to fish daytime, overnight, the dude's legit. Doing um, it. But especially if you just want like a bro float and you're trying to get out and just have a good time, catch some fish but not take yourself too seriously. Like, I think that's really his specialty. Um, You know, guides have the best stories, right? And we heard a lot of stories about a lot of people coming in and, you know, if you don't put me on my 36-inch brown, blah, blah. And he's like, man, I don't think I'm your dude. Um, Not because I can't help you catch those fish, but that's not. I'm definitely not your dude (laughs) if that's how that starts. We show up, as you've probably learned about me here in this show, like, man, I expect a few things. I expect to make a fool out of myself. I expect to probably say some stump, some stupid stuff. Um, I expect to just enjoy being out in the elements. I actually thought of our, uh, our old buddy Todd Lizenby at one point 
because uh, he used to say this. I was looking at the night sky on this drift boat in the middle of Arkansas, and I said, there's nobody else out there has this view right now. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that he used to talk a he lot about that. experiencing. Yeah, he loves that experience. And that was not a perspective that I had ever had, but... Uh, anyways, shout out to Dustin Doss. Highly recommend. Very knowledgeable. Ties all of his own flies. I like this. He builds his own leaders, you know, lots of different uh, weights, you know, of, of tippet, essentially. I'm sure that he's tying together. But I like a guide that takes responsibility for his own equipment and his own knots. Um, and he's saying, you know, if you tie into the fish of a lifetime and your knot breaks, I want it to be my fault, not yours. Um, so I really respected that and appreciated that. But Man, we had a really good time. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, I did not realize uh, going in that you don't lift your rod to set in this circumstance. No, sir. It's a strip set, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because these brown trout, essentially, when they're hunting, and that's exactly what they're doing, when they're hunting, they're, they're almost like a shark, right? They're coming up from underneath and, like, blasting this thing up out of the water. And if you sense that in the night, that water just, you know, turbulation, and you lift your rod tip up, what are you doing? Yanking it away from their face. You're pulling it right out of their mouth. Right out. So I did that a couple of times. There's no bueno. Yeah, it happens, though. It does. It's instinct. Um, We got the strip sets down, caught some fish, had a really good time, Um, but man learning curve with that like it's amazing when you get in that moment how much your whether you want to call it muscle memory or whatever just sets in and it's like oh hit and i set and pull it right out of his mouth yeah i mean i have a tendency like when i when i you know i lived in the salt living on an island and i literally did not freshwater fish for like three straight years like not once and I came out to Colorado and linked up with my brother in Fort Collins. And we went and fished up uh, the Poudre Canyon. And I was strip setting everything. <laughs> and I mean, dude, I am launching trout. <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> launching trout. Um, and my brother would be like, dude. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. But I had just spent three years chasing snooks, sharks, and redfish and tarpon. You know, like yeah. it's all that's that was my muscle memory. Yeah, like that's that's how you fished, right? And uh, I'm like, I would, I even caught myself like stripping dry flat, like dude, yeah, just completely ridiculous things. And I think my obsession with fishing streamers when I came back to uh, this part of the country was more because I it was more closely related to how I saltwater fish and I just enjoy saltwater fishing so much that that really drove my warm water pursuit uh, desires and the fish that I was going after, how I wanted to go about fishing for them because um, I just got into that rhythm, man. And I, I my my, my uh, short, very short attention span brain uh, enjoys the process yeah. Of fishing that way. That's another thing that was new for me. I've thrown streamers a couple of times. That's not something I have very much experience with at yeah. all. Um, so to be using these massive patterns, and it's the opposite of drag-free drift. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. my experience in drift boats is the San Juan River and the Snake River. And throwing it out there and basically just trying to keep as as uh, long of a float as you need to to get a hit um, by having drag-free drift, right? But instead here, you're kind of throwing it out. Instead of even with the boat, you're kind of throwing it out at like a 45-degree angle, mm-hmm. getting immediate tension on the line and allowing that to swing down in front of the boat while the guide back rows just enough to help keep some of that tension on. Yeah. Um, and then kind of messing with your cadence of stripping. Sometimes just letting it drag out in front of the boat and hang. Sometimes strip, strip, strip. You know, sometimes you're just mixing the cadence up a little bit. Yep. Um, I feel like I grew a lot as an angler on this trip because you give me a hard time all the time, and I give it back. Like, I have always told you that, to me, the pinnacle of fly fishing is standing in a high alpine stream chasing little, like, eight-inch, you know, brookies or something like that. And I would say that it is a, a peak of fly fishing. It's just not the only one. That's a really good way to put that. But that was my experience. Like, that's, you know, if I'm building out my Mount Rushmore of fly fishing, like, yeah, high wild trout at high altitude with no one around, it's, it's, it's on the, it's on my Mount Rushmore. But it's just not like the end all be all. I respect you a little bit more for saying that. Which means I have a little respect for you. Yeah, so that means we just grew into the positive in the respect category. That's outstanding. It's a good day for me. No, this was an unbelievable experience, and I grew a lot because I feel like I now have some skills in my angling tool belt that I didn't have three days ago. Yeah, puberty is an important phase of life, (laughs) you know? Terrible. Take a lap. (laughs) There it is. Okay. There it is. There it is. I grew respect and I lost respect. (laughs) How quick it happens. (laughs) How the mighty have fallen. How quick it happens. That's okay. You know, we should just like, uh, we should take this show to the field. It's that time. Yeah, we need to. You know? Yeah. I have a little mini travel board. Oh, I'm loving everything you're saying right now. MVP over here. Golly. So what else is on your Mount Rushmore of trout or of uh, fly fishing? For, uh, I mean, redfish is high on my list. Yeah. And, and listen, I just have an affinity with that style of fishing. But I also have, like, the most ridiculous love of coastal Louisiana so that plays another big part. Like, I don't do a lot of red fishing in Texas. Though, Texas has some incredible opportunities. Laguna Madre, out of this world. Go check it out. The freaking grass flat there is unbelievable. Really cool place to do some really cool red fishing. Uh, You know, low tide fishing out of Charleston, South Carolina. and I mean, in flood tide fishing in Charleston, South Carolina unbelievable experience put it on your list go make it happen um and also eat some incredible food and hang out with some amazing people yeah um you know tarpon are unbelievable um 
I got to make it down to Cuba one of these times. I would really like to. I'd like to make it down to Tropic Star Lodge, Panama. Uh, I don't have a massive desire for the Seychelles, mainly because of the difficulty of getting there. Um, you can tour the fishing estates and historical like castles and homes of Ireland, fishing for uh, for salmon. Um, while getting to absorb like some cool history and like see some really amazing estates, and you can do that for like fourteen days. That's that that's on the old list of mine. Um. The Tree River in the Arctic for Arctic char. It's a really interesting river that has like crazy whitewater. Hmm. And these monster Arctic char will run up the whitewater. Like when you hook them, that's hmm. what they go for is the deepest, fastest, gnarliest water in the river. And, uh, you can't because there's all these waterfalls. You can't really fish uh, some of these sections by boat. You have to wait it from the shore, and so you're just running up and down cliff face rivers, chasing these monster Arctic char. Uh, that's on the list for sure. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a lot. It's a pretty good list. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a few more heads on that than I anticipated there being. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Um, hey. I've had some really wonderful Alaska experiences for people who haven't done that. They should do it. Um, there's some really cool remote stuff going on with some guys um, in Mexico right now on some off-the-grid lodges that are, like, really hard to get to, but fully off-the-grid. That, man, uh, and relatively inexpensive in the big scheme of things, but... Would love to find my way down there for some of that ultra remote stuff. You know what I think is next for me? And I think I learned Venice, this Louisiana. week. Venice, Louisiana for the redfish, yes. Um, I want to get into tarpon fishing. And I don't think I'm ready yet. I think that I've I've got some development still to do as an angler. Um, but... In speaking, you spend a lot of time on a boat with a guy over, you know, a weekend. I spent 17 hours with our guide, Dustin, and covered everything from high-level chess games um, to classical music and, like, just some of the most ridiculous conversations, you know, come up. But uh, And we can get into this in the next segment, but he actually spent, I think, 16 years, he said, living in Silverthorne. Uh off of Lake Dillon there in Summit County, working out of Breckenridge as a guide. Um, he is about to go get a place in Melbourne because he's really into Melbourne, uh, Florida, because he's really into the juvenile uh, tarpon. Um, really kind of fun to pick his brain and hear you know, all of that through the eyes and ears of somebody that has experienced more, like you have, more than I do, um, and just at a much higher level. Um, so I got some questions. I want to pick your brain about some of that stuff when we come back after this. Hey, it's hunting season. If you're in the market for a new hunting hide, check out Oki Hides. O-K-I-E Hides.com or Oki Hides on social media. 
Um, these things are incredible, man. They are overbuilt. They are overmanufactured. You've heard me say these things for a couple of years now. Um, if you're looking for somewhere to go sit where you can spend more time because you're not fighting the elements, you don't have to be quite so concerned about smells or movement, maybe you've got kids you want to take out for an early experience. Um, this is the perfect kind of setup for that. I was having a conversation with a buddy recently who wants to pick up an Oki hide because he wants to uh, start sleeping on the deer lease. So that he's already in. He's like, I'm convinced the secret to success on his property is morning hunts, but he has a hard time getting in there in the mornings. So he's like, I'm going to go in in the evenings and just ride it out in the oaky hide. Um, You know, it's not for everybody, but these kinds of hides. That's that's an option. That's a legitimate option. Yeah. You know, so uh, check out Oki Hides, okihides.com. They're made right here in Oklahoma City by Oklahomans. These guys are welders and fabricators by trade and outdoorsmen by choice, and they make a product that is amazing. Check them out. We'll be back after this with more Inside the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host Taylor Maples on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour final segment this week. Taylor Maples, Joshua Wildman, Stratton. Go! I hope everybody's enjoying that because <laughs> I'm enjoying pressing the button. Not gonna. Lie. Josh enjoyed it so much he just sat there and waited for it. Yeah, just waiting for it to come along, man. Everybody loves sound effects, man. The anticipation is half the fun. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, we were talking about this during the break. Um, it's amazing how many people are leaving the Rocky Mountains to go pursue fly fishing endeavors elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe not some of those we don't need to get into on the radio, but, um, you know, people, I at some point, people are done putting up with the stuff they don't want to put up with anymore. Sure. And, and I mean, obviously, uh, some of that find other locations. Yeah, sure. It's really rad, though, that there are places out there for everybody, you know? Guaranteed. Um. I have spent five years now in Oklahoma, and I have told a handful of people, like, man, why would I want to drive five hours east if I can drive ten hours west and be in the Rocky Mountains? And now how do you feel about I that I need to statement? publicly apologize thank to you. all of those people. Thank you. Because I've had some great weekends fly fishing in the Rocky Mountains, and yeah, the vistas, the views, the high alpine blah, hikes. Blah, like, it's blah. cool. If you had to, you know, A-B blind test of just the stoke factor from this weekend, like, dude, I've, I've not done anything like this before with a fly right. rod. Right. Which is going to affect how you think about it, right? It's a completely new experience. There's yeah. nothing, nothing normal, mundane about it whatsoever. But... You know, again, this goes back to like, in general, we all need to get out of 
remove the blinders and think differently and, and open ourselves up to experiences. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways to fly fish. All of them are valid. You've said this a million times on the show, but people think of a river runs through it when they think of fly fishing. They do, yes. And that is such That's a... That's just because people want to think about Brad Pitt, though. Touche. I hope the mic picked that up. I do, too. <laughs> Josh is taking a drink from the water bottle, and if you didn't hear the glop, 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 we sure did. We did. We did. We got it. Yeah. Got it. Man. Um, what uh, What is the next step for someone like me? You've seen me cast. It's not great. Obviously, you're limited a little bit in your fly fishing by your technique. Um, there are some experiences that maybe you need to grow into. I, 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 would take, I would take that back. You're limited. Your success rate is limited by your skill set. Your experience is not. Okay. Sure. The only way you get better at it is by sucking at it and doing it. Yeah. Right? And so... You have to put yourself in those circumstances. You have to put yourself in those situations. Nothing replicates time on the boat. Nothing replicates time on the bow of the boat chasing, you know, uh, daisy chained up tarpon. Nothing replicates 57 misses of a brown trout at night because you weren't doing it the right way to teach you how to do it the right way, mm-hmm. right? And so there's things we can learn. There's practice that needs to be put in and casting and uh, research on best locations to put that fly in certain circumstances and so on and so forth that we can learn. But nothing replaces putting it all together and failing. And so part of it is just accepting failure as part of the process, understanding that the experience is as valuable as the trophy and going out there and doing it. Yeah. That's one of the things we love about the outdoors is how well it mirrors lessons learned in life, right? It's you don't lose, you learn. When you fail, it's an opportunity to grow. And I've said this a couple times in the show this evening that, you know, I I grew a lot as an angler because of this trip. and I, And it really inspired me to get out and do it more. Uh, and to put myself in those kinds of uncomfortable situations where I'm not the most experienced and knowledgeable person in the boat um, and continue to grow in that way and, and gain those valuable experiences. And, man, there is, there's very few things that just cleanse my soul, like knock the dust off my spirit the way that a weekend on a drift boat does. Um, I have found that in bow hunting. I have found that in surfing. Um, there was a period of my life where I felt that way about waterfowling. Um, but you know, you come home from a trip like that and honestly, it's like, Hey, let me do some dishes. Let me make sure that I've, you know, picked up my shoes and done some of these things. And just, you're almost, you you feel like your best version of yourself, um, because you've just cut through all the static in your life for 48 hours, even if it's just that. Um, and so I encourage anybody that, you know, feels that way. If you feel like you've got some static, if you've got some noise, if you just got a lot going on, like listen to yourself, figure out what's going on. 
uh, spend some time outdoors. Go buy J.D. Adams and Company. Go find somebody that can take you out, you know, even just to watch deer movement, right? Like, I'm not saying you need to hunt. I had that conversation with a guy this week. He's like, man, deer hunting's not for me. Bow hunting's not for me. I'm like, that's fine. I'm not telling you to go buy the gear and kill a deer. I'm telling you, like, let me put you in some camouflage clothes and come sit in a two-man stand with me. Come hang out in the oaky hide with me and just see the way that animals move. Be at peace and at one with nature because at least in my life, people may disagree. They may have other experiences and, and maybe somebody gets this, you know, at a shopping mall or something. There's nothing that just centers me up and knocks that dust off my spirit. Like time spent failing in the outdoors. The success is like, hey, man, I got to catch. I fished for 17 hours and caught two fish. You know, yeah, one of them was a a personal record and and something that um, I will remember fondly forever. But it's that was back to back casts. I spent 16 hours and 58 minutes failing this week. Right. And and it did more for me than. I mean, you name it, like successes, all of these, all of the other things I'm into in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been months since I felt the way I do today. And it's because I spent that considerable amount of time failing in the outdoors. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, we all have to recharge and reset. And, you know, I think everyone has, as a society, we do a really poor job of uh, resetting or on the other side of that coin, I think society-wise, we do a really poor job of accepting failure and challenging ourselves regularly. And if you can do both of those at the same time, um, man, I think we all become better people because of it. And I think it's really important. I know we got to get out of here, but to find community in that too, you know, to surround yourself with people that, um, encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and to fail and like man you and i give each other such a hard time like the things people hear on the radio are such a small fraction of the crap that we give each oh, other yeah um well, but it's not radio friendly so <laughs> but that's like you know that's just how we bro down sometimes but i also know uh I know that I can rely on you. Like, I know I can trust you. I know that you, you're you there for me and, and in this with me and, and not just in this outdoors thing, but like in this life thing. Um, and I think that the outdoors is such a great vehicle for people. You know, I'm not even just going to say men, but especially for men, um, because there's not a lot of arenas that allow guys today to let down that guard and just be themselves and um, you know, show their unpolished selves to the world. Um, and I think that when you can do that and when you find things that make you feel comfortable being that version of yourself, those are people and those are experiences you need to lean into really hard and, and do more of. Yeah, whatever that circle is too, you know, I mean, like whatever your pursuit is that allows you to be your authentic self, you should probably do that, you know, yeah. live that. Yeah. That's what I try to do, which is why my friend group is small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the lessons and memories abound. That's right. That's right. Hey, Let's... last thing we got to do before we get out of here. Got to yeah. talk about my friends over at Pedago OKC. Yeah, cranking on that bike. Man, 
I'm in better shape than I was this time last year. Yeah. Yep. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun this summer to get out on the pedigo, whether I'm at the deer lease, whether I'm just cruising around the neighborhood, around town, um, control my own exertion level, control the speed, the effort, the energy, and all of that that I want to go. Um, they've got a million different, okay, that's an overstatement. I think they've got 17 different models of bikes, um, low step throughs, all kinds of different things. The one I'm riding is called the element. It's a blast. It's not okay. the biggest, most gnarly looking mountain trail bike they offer. There's a couple that are even bigger and badder than this one, but for what I'm doing, the element's perfect, right? Because uh, it's kind of got a low step through and I'm usually lugging some stuff. I got my bow slung over my shoulder or some fishing tackle or something. I'm wearing, you know, different kind of, you know, pants, whether it's my camo or whatever. Um, but it's got those massive mud sand friendly tires with the tannis in it, which allows you to run flat. It's basically like a foam, uh, filled, tire um nice I, I literally the last couple times i've taken it out to the deer lease i don't even bother to pump up the tires like it's literally got flat tires such a bum <laughs> you're such a bum i'm always behind like you know i'm always 15 minutes late into the studio yes i'm always 15 it's just who i am as a person and i'm accepting that but we're accepting pedico, you in that listen let's say you ride a bike to work don't be late. Don't stop to pump up your tires. Just get a pedigo, get some of that tannis in it, and you can even ride it flat. That's what I do. It's a blast. Check I out Pedigo it. OKC. They're located on MacArthur Boulevard, just west of Lake Hefner. Mention uh, the Outdoor Hour to Lance, and he'll save you a little bit of money. So uh, thanks to Pedigo for supporting us and this show and all of the uh, shenanigans that I enjoy getting up to using that bike well that's gonna do it this week check us out on social media you can follow josh on instagram at against underscore current goldfish what's your handles man uh i am at maddie goldfish on twitter x there you go twitter x is that the appropriate is that's that what... what i've been saying i have no idea because i feel like if i just say x a lot of people won't know what i'm talking about but then if i leave it off the young people will make fun of me. Yeah. So let's just combine them and get everybody happy. I'm into that. I respect that for sure. That's Goldfish. That's Joshua Wildman Stratton. I'm Taylor Maples. You can find me at T underscore Maples on social media. Follow the show page as well at Outdoor underscore Hour on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That's going to do it this week for the Outdoor Hour. Until next time, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.